Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. Welcome to UFOs Above Canada, a nighttime podcast series exploring the people, the events, and the concepts that surround the Canadian UFO experience. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to UFOs Above Canada. In tonight's episode, UFO writer and researcher Chris Rutkowski and I are going to unpack a collection of the many Canadian UFO reports we received over the last 60 days. These reports, which were submitted by listeners via the reporting tool on nighttimepodcast.com, come from coast to coast and range from the mundane light in the sky to the fantastic life-altering encounter. Chris and I are going to do our best to understand each one of them. So let's get to it. Tonight, in this episode of Nighttime, Chris Rutkowski and I will discuss some recent Canadian UFO reports. Chris Rutkowski, glad you're able to make uh, some time out of your busy book tour to join me here. <laughs> yes, yeah, such as it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of like the new version of a book tour. Um, it, given the you know the state of the world, your book tour generally is like happens on like Facebook and stuff. I guess nowadays. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anybody tune in and you know email or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I'm working on it. We'll work on a TikTok next time. Don't worry. Yeah, or you'll ramp it up for the next book. Which, uh, knowing the how prolific you are with writing, that's probably next month. Um, <laughs> last time you were on the show, we talked uh, about the upcoming launch of Canadian UFOs declassified I think right. I think you were just about to launch it when you're on last time or, or maybe it just went up for sale uh, now it's been making the rounds I've been seeing people sharing screenshot or posts about them reading it and everything else how has the reaction been it's uh, getting good response uh, the launch is coming up September 8th uh, in Winnipeg Ooh. And I think they're going to try and stream it online. So we'll, we'll be able to give you a link at one point. Cool. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, for people who've already got the book and have contacted you, what, what kind of like responses are, are you getting from people? They're saying that they like it. Uh, the, a lot of them say they didn't know uh, that Canada had been uh, so involved uh, in the UFO scene and uh, the government was investigating so much. And some of the cases are, are really mind blowing. Uh, some of the reports from pilots and uh, RCMP officers and railroad engineers. And, you know, there's a, a lot of people with who uh, are in professional capacity who had, uh, had seen things. And in some cases, the government investigated quite thoroughly. Hmm. Uh, so, in a, and then of course it went into this period when the government sort of got a little bored with the whole thing. And uh, uh, I guess there's a renewed interest right now uh, in trying to get people, to, uh, trying to get the government again to take uh, uh, UFOs or UAPs, as they're calling them now, a little more seriously. Very cool. Uh, were, were you primarily or focused on Canadian UFO events? Um, do you ever see a connection between like a Tim, like Tim Hortons and UFO sightings? Like, can you think of any cases that involve Tim Hortons at all? Like, I'm, I'm just thinking if there were enough, that would be an amazing, you know, book. Um <laughs> I there. I mean, uh, there were a couple of cases that happened at at gas stations. I mean, mm. where people think that they had 
you know, seen something hovering over the gas station and then encountered beings and that type of thing. Yeah, but, I, I guess like a Tim Hortons generally is in like a parking lot where there's probably enough light pollution or whatever that you can't really see the sky clearly. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, no, no, no Tim Horton uh, cases that come to mind anyway. Okay. Well, there's plenty of time for them. If yeah. anyone out there sees a UFO near Tim Hortons. Great marketing opportunity for Tim Hortons, though, when you think about it. Yeah, Justin Bieber's going in to get his coffee. Something The Starlink passes by overhead and he freaks yeah. out. He immediately goes to the UFOs Above Canada discussion group, posts a photo of it, and Chris Rutkowski, Canadian UFO author, debunks him <laughs> in debunks real time. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah Bieb, you're out of your mind. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, well, let's, what, what I got for you tonight is, so, so you know this, but I get UFO reports sent often through my website, nighttimepodcast.com. There's a spot where you can report a UFO. Uh, the information goes to me and over on to you to include in the Canadian UFO survey that you put together each year. But there's also a spot in the reporting forum where they give me permission to share their sighting on air. I archive those sightings for every month or two when I talk to you to go through them and kind of try to figure out what may have happened. So I have a huge collection of UFO sightings over the last month or two. And I know this from you telling me this, but uh, July and August are generally, or June, July and August are generally pretty busy months for UFO reports, right? Like statistically, this would be kind of the busy time here. Yes. Yeah, statistically, yes. Yeah. UFO uh, investigators cannot get vacation time in the summer. Just the <laughs> yeah. demand is too high. But I got a lot of uh, reports to go over. But before we do that, let's kind of talk about a couple Canadian UFO sort of news stories. Uh, first thing I want to talk about with you, this um, you were an attendee, I think, two years ago at the Shag Harbor UFO Festival. That was two years mm -hmm. ago, right? That you were uh, there? Before pandemic, so more than two years, probably okay. three or four. Yeah. yeah, and I think they they it's hard to keep track of the time because they they've canceled it a little bit because of the pandemic, but um, they've just announced their uh, their attendees for their upcoming festival, which is uh, the first and second of October coming. It's a Saturday and Sunday, a week long, a weekend long event, and in the past the. The people who put on the Shag Harbor UFO Festival generally have kept the participants and the guests, um, the guest presenters, mainly local, but they would bring the odd person in like yourself from the other part of the country mm -hmm. to share your expertise. This year, mm -hmm. they seem to be ramping it up quite a bit. So I just want to give you the the participant list and I want to hear what you think of them doing this sure. in small town Nova Scotia. So they will have David Marler. Uh, podcast hosts from Somewhere in the Skies podcast, Ryan Sprague, Debbie Ziegelmeyer, Rob Swiatek, Nick Pope, Swiatek, yeah, Swiatek, yeah. Nick Pope, and of course, Chris Stiles, who is pretty much the most prominent investigator associated with the Shag Harbor sighting. I, I don't expect you're going to be traveling down to Shag Harbor for the UFO festival in two months. It's quite a journey from Manitoba, but given the, you know a higher profile, I guess, um, cast of characters presenting here, what, what do you think of this? Is this a, a yeah ambitious? I mean, they've, they've, well, they've let out, they've set out a you know a major. Uh, you know, a, a major speakers list. And if it was, um, you know, in New York or, uh, or Vancouver or, you know, Houston or something like, or California, it would attract, you know, it'd be a major, major coup to have all these people together in one time. 
Uh, I guess the problem with Shag Harbor, it's it's very very much out of the way. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it takes hours and hours to get there. Uh, even uh, you know, you fly out to Halifax and drive for quite some time there. Um, so uh, you know, it's it would be it, for the local um, Nova Scotia uh, UFO fans. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. I mean, if you're in the area at all, for gosh sake, go to this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you know, these are people who, you know, you see on some of the TV shows all the time. So for them to come to Canada, first of all, to Canada, and then to come to Shag Harbor for a UFO <laughs> festival, uh, that, that's quite significant. So if you're in the area, I, I you know, for, go. Yeah. Uh, go. I got another one for you. This is uh, a bit of, a, I don't know if it's Canadian UFO news, but for me, it's the kind of stuff that just I'm delighted to see happen. Do you know who Ashley McIsaac is? Does that name mean anything to you? Um, fiddles. World famous fiddler. Uh, known yeah. known by many as the best fiddler in the world. Also mm-hmm. um, a little infamous for being a kind of off the wall character. He's made news around Nova Scotia and Canada for all the right and all the wrong reasons throughout his exactly, career. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but what there's no debate about is the guy is um, an absolute genius fiddle player. And mm-hmm. so that, of course, because of that, he's famous. He is, um, a, a, I'll say, pretty near lifelong fan of the UFO kind of culture and ideal ideas. He, he's been on my show in the past where he shared his, what he believes to be likely a ufo abduction experience although he's also had several ufo sightings when he was on the show about a year or so ago he had told me that he was considering working on music related to his thoughts on on aliens and extraterrestrials and ufos and all this stuff but he didn't know if it would go anywhere and it was just kind of a thought he had um i just had a listener contact me they went and saw ashley perform recently and what they had sent me was a video of something that he, along with his guitar player, whose name is Mary Beth Carty, uh, I guess in the middle of the concert, they almost like cleared the stage and the two of them took center stage and performed a song seemingly to the aliens that are going to be oh. watching it. I'm just going to play a little bit of it. It's basically Ashley standing with his arm stretched with a fiddle in his hand uh, in a very welcoming embrace. Uh, along with um, Mary Beth singing to the aliens. Cool. The aliens are nice. The aliens are nice. Saucers in the atmosphere just hovering in flight. The aliens are nice. The aliens are nice. The U.S. Army cannons try to shoot them out the sky. The aliens are nice. The aliens are nice. Senators and congressmen need warnings to deny. The aliens are nice. The aliens are nice. They're known like films from Hollywood, no big bucks movie fights. The aliens are nice. Think that's a hit single? Uh, aliens are nice. That's a 
the the, the lyrics you know may need a little bit of work but it it, it, it has its it has its moments I'm, yeah, yeah i'm assuming that there a, there's like a big fiddle solo that's just about to really change mm. the scope of that song but i think it's cool that they did that i, I like a, yeah. if you go to an ashley mcisaac show um that is probably one of the least bizarre kind of moments that will happen during it right other than the shag harbor participants being announced ashley mcisaac uh, blowing minds at the show in a ufo related way can you think of any other canadian like news stories related to ufos in the last you know couple of weeks oh canadian news stories about ufos um Hmm. I haven't seen any art. Like generally, if there's something that's going on, you'll see an article getting shared around. I can't think of any articles that I would have come across recently. Yeah, I can't either. Um, I mean, the, the politicians, after a bit of a flurry, quieted down. However, uh, and uh, here's something for your uh, your viewers, is that uh, the Canadian politician who came out uh, publicly uh, in the parliamentary committee uh, about uh, the Canadian government uh, should be investigating UAPs a little bit more. Um, he was scheduled originally to be at my book launch on the 8th, um, but he uh, unfortunately can't come, but he's going to be releasing a statement and he, it's going to be released at the book launch. Oh, cool. Uh, so so there will be some information from a Canadian politician about uh, about UFOs and UAPs uh, at my book launch. That is fantastic. So I, I got to ask you, you rub elbows with this person or something? I know you're kind of in some ways in bed with uh, the Canadian government's investigations into UFOs. How deep does it go? Are you connected to politics? Well, actually, the, what happened was um, this guy, his name is Larry McGuire, um, and he's a member of Parliament, uh, Conservative Party. And he actually reached out to me uh, in preparation for his uh, making these statements in Parliament, um, asking for information about UFOs. And uh, uh, so I did uh, privately brief him uh, on the current status of UFOs and the history of stuff that, that's been going on in my own involvement. Mm -hmm. uh, and since then, um, uh, he and his uh, uh, team have reached out to me a few more times. Um, and... You know, there there have been a few other politicians who have come forward. So I have, you know, continued to be involved in, and, uh, you know, uh, hear from some of the politicians interested in the UFO phenomenon in Canada. There's no question that their interest is related and certainly spinning out in some ways because of what's going on in the States regarding Congress and a possible congressional investigation and the task force and this new uh, all-domain uh, anomaly uh, resolution office uh, that it's called now. Not sure what that's going to turn into or what, you know, what materials we're going to find out, but people seem pretty keen about it, but it's spilled over into Canada, even though, as I've mentioned several times and have documented in my books, Canada actually investigated and did a lot more research uh, at, that we have public access to and uh, information about than the United States. Hmm interesting well we'll see where that goes and i'll look forward to hearing this the statement at your book launch that's a, mm -hmm. a a great like bonus to have going to a book launch and the canadian government is going to indirectly comment on yeah UFOs exactly. while we're there yeah as an opening act as an opening act <laughs> yeah well let's get to the ufo sighting so yeah i've collected what i what i have on my in front of me here spans the the reports that i was given permission to share publicly from the end of june until about two days ago so there's may, a month and a half roughly of of reports and these are just the ones that i was given permission to share so i'll, I'll go through them i'll kind of read where it took place 
when in the description they sent to me. I'll do my best to not edit what they've said with the exception of just making it easier to understand if the if their uh, text is a little scattered. So okay. first one we have here is from Jack in London, Ontario. I believe this among the more recent sightings. This is the 29th of July, mid-afternoon, he says, between 1 and 1.30 p.m., again in London, Ontario. He said, I happened to be looking up in the sky above my home, and I saw three pure white boomerang-shaped objects extremely high in the blue sky. They were, and use air quotes, they, or use quotations, they were flying with the two outer tips of the boomerang in front, not the center point in front, as one would assume. They were in the same area together, traveling in a southerly direction at what looked like a fast rate of speed. One of them was lower and in the middle of the outer two. Then the middle one sped off even faster and they all disappeared out of sight. So I guess the way I'm understanding it is like a boomerang, but rather than kind of the curved part facing forward as it's flying, it was kind of like the opposite direction or the opposite kind of shape. So it's almost like a U-shaped thing moving through yeah. the sky. And it's, uh, that's a midday sighting. So that's mm -hmm. a bit unique. Yeah. Um, the one thing that comes to mind um, are pelicans. And um, I, I'm not sure if they're common in, in uh, London, but I can tell you that um, I was giving a presentation um, to uh, a nature sanctuary here in, in Manitoba at the beginning of June. Uh, yeah, beginning of June. And um, uh, I was talking with one of the uh, uh, nature conservatists and uh, there happened to have been a, a UFO sighting um, at this particular nature sanctuary that I did document in uh, one of my earlier books. And he said, you know, we've been thinking about this and we're talking about it. And he says, one of the things that this particular nature sanctuary is known for is pelicans. Hmm. And when they rise up, they actually, they go, they, they do the, the, the forward V with their wings. And if they're seen at the wrong angle, it looks like, like these boomerang type things. Hmm. And they would appear white um, in, a, in a daytime sky. Interesting. If it's not that, and it may, you know, I'm, I'm not minimalizing it, mm -hmm. the, you know, brushing it off, uh, debunking it as, as pelicans. <laughs> but if there have, if I had to quickly make an evaluation and, and come up with a possible explanation, that would be one thing that, uh, that, you know, we'd have to look at. Mm -hmm. Now to play kind of devil's advocate or believer's advocate, yeah. Uh, if if one was to design something to fly through the sky, um, that shape would be would seemingly be an um, an illogical way to, to to design something. Like I often think, like when people describe what they saw in the sky, I'm all, I often think, you know, what could it be? You know, pelicans or whatever. But if it was, let's say, an alien spaceship, why would it, you know, have a little blinking light, or why would it be shaped in that bizarre way? And that just doesn't seem like the shape of any kind of aerial. Um, machine, like a, like kind of like a backwards boomerang, so to speak. It seems like it would be counter to the laws of aerodynamics. Uh, yeah, what doesn't the the Klingon bird of prey face forward though? Oh, you're right. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> it was Klingons or pelicans. Either Klingons or pelicans, <laughs> just one or the other. Uh, let's get to the next one. This is from Graham, a listener in Langley, BC. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a sighting he's reporting from actually he's reporting something he saw last year on 
almost a year to the day, August 20th of 2021 in Langley, BC at 10 p.m. at night. He says, I took the dogs out before bed and I saw a light, slow, pulsing object at one second intervals in a cloud. I called out to my wife and an object descended out of a cloud, hovered with a large, round, super bright beam from underneath and then at a walking pace just above our trees um, at an estimate of 100 feet wide, a black triangle craft with a red light on each wingtip and one in the center of its rear and emitting a low hum, it went over our house west to east and then it disappeared. So an object, a blinking light behind a cloud. By the time uh, he calls his wife out and gets a bit closer or gets a better look at it, a large 100 foot wide black triangle craft with red lights passes him from the cloud. Mm. From uh, from the tree beyond the tree line, I think right. it sounds kind of cinematic when when I'm thinking of it and seeing yeah. it in my head. Yeah, that's uh, that that sounds pretty cool. Um, and, and you say sure. you had you have said before there's like some UFO researchers kind of favor the triangle shaped UFOs, and that's almost like a like a subgenre of UFO sightings and reports. That was I understand to be bigger in kind of the late '90s. That was more common. Yeah, triangles were, were really big uh, for quite some time. Um, you remember the Belgian triangles of the, I guess, the 80s, that type of thing. And um, uh, X-Files had a bunch of triangular uh, UFOs back in the 80s and 90s. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they were really popular. Um, we don't hear very much in terms of triangular UFOs as much anymore. Not sure. Uh, Langley, of course, is kind of a suburb of Vancouver, and there's that flight flight path, the Surrey Corridor. So the first thing you have to think of is, you know, searchlight beams and flashing red lights, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. You think of uh, planes. Um, not not sure what to make of the uh, the hundred foot wide black triangle idea, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, you know, it's uh, uh, it's it's a it's interesting. It's too bad that it's a year later because we can't really check flight paths and stuff yeah you can't easily um i don't know how this would kind of present itself but if you're if, if you're looking if, if it's dark out and you're outside you can't necessarily see the clouds above but if there were kind of like i don't know planes or whatever in the sky and um you would see the light from them but would would the clouds not kind of like the section of the sky that's cloud covered would that i wonder if that would appear darker than the section of the sky that isn't cloud covered and kind of what I'm getting at is this idea of if there just happened to be a cloud darkening a section of the sky and there were like three planes in the sky uh, or three objects or whatever satellites or whatever the case may be could that not look like a large black triangle because because generally when you see these triangle reports there there's a triangle shaped object with like a light on you know each corner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So eh, I, I don't know. That's kind of what I'm. Yeah, I think. that's certainly you know one uh, one place you'd have to go in terms of trying to investigate to find out if that's possible. Um, uh, and it would appear dark um, in the middle. Uh, again, because Langley is kind of a urban area, there would be some uh, glow from the ground that might illuminate the clouds. So it wouldn't necessarily be as mm. dark as all that. Well, so, it could also be the opposite of what I said is maybe there's just a break in the clouds. That is a, 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 a vague triangle shape. Yeah. 
that just happens yeah. to kind of line up with other things in the sky, planes or whatever. Well, our, our mind automatically makes three lights in the sky into a triangle. I mean, that's, that's how our, our minds work. And the, the assumption is that it's on one big object when in fact, three lights could just be three lights in the sky, three stars, three, you know, objects of some sort. Yeah, I guess any three lights in the sky will make some form of a triangle. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. But the movement, the movement is is the interesting thing. If those three lights move together, then you know that would that would be something different. Mm. Now I got something interesting here. I got a a, a two part sighting. So I think th um, throughout our throughout these two messages, um, we're kind of seeing it all play out for this this guy in Spencerville, Ontario. His name is Tim. Uh, the first report is from July 7th, 2022, 9.47 a.m. So here's what Tim says. My wife spotted a white silver round object well below the morning sun and much lower than small prop aircraft fly. It, uh, it had a pattern of movement that was similar to a zigzag. Uh, it was moving northwest and it was almost... It was almost over us as it turned and headed south, no longer in a zigzag pattern, and its speed was a little faster. At the same time this was occurring, a small object that was much larger and at a passenger jet altitude came into view while watching the smaller object. It was heading, came into view while I was watching the smaller object. It was heading straight north. It was much slower than a jet and was also bright white and non-reflective. I say non-reflective because it was no shine with the bright sun right there. We observed the first object for about 40 seconds, um, for, about, for about 10 to 40 seconds till both were out of sight. And there was absolutely no noise from either object. So we'll start, we'll start with this. So what, what I hear from this is it just appears that he sees two objects in the sky. The first one is, seems to be the most interesting as it's flying in a zigzag pattern and then changes direction and takes a more direct approach, a, a direct line out of there while he's watching that and other object seems to pass Zips through. Zips by, yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably coincidental to have both objects do that. Um, the first one, not sure. Um, metallic balloon, I don't know, mm -hmm. you know, something like that. Um, but other than that, I, I, I'm not sure. A metallic balloon could possibly describe some of the zigzagging, right? Because it would be kind of caught in the, the breeze and just being kind of yeah. tossed around in the sky. That, that yeah. makes sense. So that, that is possible. But whatever it was, it stood out for him enough to write this and send it to me. But mm -hmm. it only seemed to get weirder for him the next day because okay. he, 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 he sent me a follow-up UFO report. Here's what Tim says the next day, July 8th. 2022 also out of the course out of spencerville ontario at about 10 32 a.m so he writes to, he writes to me yesterday i reported seeing something my wife and i couldn't explain today we noticed a black chinook helicopter flying very low coming from the direction of where the ufo was last seen yesterday maybe it's coincidence but i've lived here for 12 years and i've never seen a chinook helicopter here ever so the, uh... <laughs> so the the Chinook helicopter, I, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but that's like the big helicopter that has two propellers. It's kind of like, it almost looks like a military, like cargo kind of 
helicopter. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's the one that's actually even. It looks bent even, doesn't it? Yeah, it's. It would be the kind that like you could carry vehicles in it. I'm not going to say they were carrying a UFO above Spencerville, Ontario, but yeah, but they possibly could have been. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't I, I mean it's possible. <laughs> it's likely. Would you say likely that it was carrying a UFO? Yeah. Um, Something less I'm, than I'm likely. Not gonna go as, I'm not going to go as far as likely. Something no. between possible and extremely. Sounds like likely. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's cool. It's interesting that that's happened to him. And I've I've seen a a lot of UFO kind of reports that involve seeing helicopters or military aircraft zipping around that seems common and like a common kind of um thing to have added to a ufo sighting i wonder if that is a the you know the government is chasing ufos around or b the person who sees the ufo just has a heightened kind of sense of awareness and notices you know a helicopter the next day or whatnot yeah yeah it, it certainly is possible i mean i i I've seen the Chinook helicopters once or twice in my life. And, uh, you know, I probably wouldn't, wasn't expecting to see them wherever they were. So just because you haven't seen something before, it doesn't mean that it, uh, you know, is there for some nefarious reason. Yeah. He, and again, like I said, in my example, it's the next day, like that Chinook helicopter probably wouldn't have even stood out to him had he not exactly. been looking at the sky because of what exactly. he saw the day before. Yeah, yeah, his mindset was was changed, and that's interesting because seeing a UFO sometimes does change one's belief systems and alter perception of their world. Make people pay attention more, um, make them a little more retrospective on their own lives or introspective on their own lives. Um, and it's true they 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 will sometimes go off on tangents and looking into things that they hadn't really thought of before. Um, it, it's interesting that that UFOs in that sense do tend to spur people's imaginations and thought patterns in, in ways that are unexpected sometimes. Mm. Um, I got another one for you. I could and I, I got a lot of these. I could keep going all night, but <laughs> this one, um, I think I think you'll have a lot of ideas for this. This is Terence from East York, Ontario, June twenty eighth, eight a.m. So another morning sighting. Mm -hmm. There were three round objects floating in the sky. Was, to me, it appeared too high to be balloons, and they moved too fast to be airplanes. One of the objects was bigger. It looked metallic, and it seemed to be grow, glowing red for a bit. It looked like one of the objects flew towards the bigger objects and almost made a circle around it. I saw all three objects for about a five-minute period before they disappeared, seemingly going up towards deeper space. So rather than like going off into the distance, it seemed like it raised. Mm. And... and I don't know when I when when I first read this, my first thought was like you know like a metallic balloon or just some kind of balloon that the light was reflecting off of. But I don't know. Yeah, and it's interesting that the you've you've had a couple that have occurred um, during the day, mm -hmm. and you know as we know and we've talked about this before, most UFO sightings are late at night, lights in the sky, um, and uh, the fact that we're getting things seen during the day. Is, uh, is a little odd, a little interesting, the fact that the more and more people are reporting things during the day. In fact, it's tough to see things during the day when you think about it, because the sun and, mm -hmm. you know, lights in this other light uh, that is reflected from this, you know, building or that building. And, you know, to see something in a, in a very, very bright sky, 
uh, you know, it, something would have to stand out quite significantly for someone to uh, to pay attention. Yeah, but well, think of this though: if if it's at eight a.m., the sun is not going to be high up, so you can look at the sky because the sun is going to be way off, you know, on the horizon or whatever. But the light from the sun would be hitting an object. For example, if there's a balloon in the sky, the sky is just starting to light up as you know as the sun rises, but the sun can be hitting the balloon at a or whatever it is at a at an angle that it is much you know much brighter much like the setting sun can do as well yeah and we we get that more with setting than rising that's true mm. uh very often uh reports of objects uh you know around sunset uh do tend to be things lit up by uh, the sun you know because the, the objects are fairly high the sun hasn't set on them yet so they'll appear to be very very bright in a in a less bright sky mm -hmm. so no question that the same can occur in a in a sunrise yeah um robert in the chat is uh knows more about chinook helicopters than us he he just wrote that you can't store a vehicle inside a chinook helicopter you would sling one underneath it but not inside of it we're probably thinking of a cargo plane like a c-130 or larger so um yeah yeah so there was aliens in it as opposed yeah, to the aliens are inside the helicopter. Yeah, yeah the UFO the is invisible slung underneath it. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. We got another one and then I'm going to play a voice memo. I got a, a someone sent a, rather than a text version of their report. They emailed me a voice recording, which is great. Mm. This one, though, is um, I can only assume it means either. Actually, I'm not going to tell you what I think it is before, before okay. I read it. So this is Jacob from a place in Quebec that is called that is a French name LAC Lac Pemig Pemichangan <laughs> P <laughs> it's P E M I C H A N G A N I've never heard of this place uh, okay and then he also has Gracefield there La Pemichangan something Gracefield well, Gracefield is a district is a place in Quebec okay. a little town in Quebec let's yeah. go with Gracefield Quebec um, okay this is on June 25th this is a nighttime sighting from uh, somewhere between 11 and midnight he says 50 to 100 UFOs are zipping around what I can only guess was a mothership they seem to be the distance that a satellite would be and that's initially what I told my friend he was seeing until he insisted I take a closer look after maybe 30 minutes of some impressive aerial acrobatics, they all stopped in place, got brighter, and stayed still for maybe five minutes before blinking out and disappearing. Um, no idea. No idea whatsoever. I mean, um, when you see that many objects zipping around together, I first go to birds. Okay. But if they stopped and got brighter and then, you know, moved away after that that doesn't sound like birds <laughs> mm. well my initial thought goes to the starlink which would be like a series of of objects 50 you know 50 to 100 ufos but they wouldn't be zipping all over them no they would right? be very like a... in fact we did have there was a really good um uh in fact i think there was some posted on on the ufos above canada uh, photos and videos of Starlink. Mm -hmm. um, what about a month ago or something like that? Yeah, uh, you may have even seen mine. I watched. Uh, you can go to the website. There's like a Starlink tracker, and mm -hmm. I was uh, staying in Cape Breton at my in-laws' house, which is a bit more rural, so the sky's a lot darker and the objects are a lot brighter. But uh, I checked the Starlink tracker, and it was going to be a, like a low pass um, the night I was there. And my nine-year-old son and I went out in the backyard and 
sat around waiting for it to pass and it was amazing i have never seen it like um i've seen photos and all that but i've never like sat and watched it pass overhead and i see why people are so blown away when they catch this it mm-hmm. it did look like it was out of this world because again it was i don't know how many you know 50 white dots all in a line just moving uh you know all together across the sky and it it, it initially i looked up i looked at it i would have thought it was like a shooting star or something but it wasn't going fast enough and it didn't you know get brighter or darker it looked like a huge mothership passing overhead if i didn't know yeah, what starlink and, was i would have been calling you yeah and and before those 50 separate and spread out mm. they're kind of bunched together and when you see them bunched together, they you may not even see them the individual ones. It just looks like a little like a cigar moving across the sky. And uh, those are when you see that, that's pretty pretty bizarre too. I'm gonna see. I'm just gonna hold my phone up. I'm gonna see if you can see it. So this is the video I took. You'll hear my son and I reacting. Come up here. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> That's the Yeah. Anyway, pretty cool experience to catch it. And anyone who's looking for something amazing in the sky, looking up, look up the scar, the Starlink schedule. I guess is what I think is what I googled. Um, but yeah, very, very cool experience. And but we we've already talked about this before, you and I. It the Starlink is the explanation for a lot of UFO sightings that involve a multitude of objects in a line that's like i I guess that's a sure fire line yeah yeah uh let me get to this voicemail here this is from new brunswick is where this had occurred and it is uh, it is mickey that sends this to us this is a july 23rd report hopefully you can hear this good yeah so i am at my workplace right now but last night at around 10.30, we were at the Back Bay Elementary School in St. George in Brunswick. And we look up in the sky, we're just stargazing, and we look up in the sky, and there's something just gliding through. Like, it's not leaving any trace of a cloud or anything like that. Like, if you could not see it in the sky, you would not know that something had just passed through. Like, there was no, like jet clouds going after it or anything like that it was definitely not a plane or a jet i don't know maybe it was a satellite but i'm a big believer in the paranormal and the supernatural and the thought of um life forms being on other planets and i genuinely believe that what i saw was a saucer or something like it was very flat and round looking um multiple other people in my town had seen it and shared videos and pictures on their social media it was just like the most insane experience i've ever had like i called up friends and family and i was telling them what was going on they probably thought i was crazy but i genuinely believe that what i saw was a ufo it was absolutely insane it was in saint george new brunswick Hmm. so she didn't go into much um description of what she saw but in hearing oh yeah 
pounding flat, you know? Yeah. But in hearing her like emotion, yeah. you had talked about how seeing something like this can kind of change the way you view the sky view life. Uh, it's, it definitely hit her. Yeah. And what was it? Was, did she say June the 26th? No, what was the date? July 23rd and July 23rd. I don't know if you know how, if you have an iPhone, but on a phone, when you film, like take a photo or film a video, it shows yeah. when you did it. Yeah. There, this is the video for my Starlink. Of course. So the day I just, just before we played that voice memo, I played you a video of my son and I looking at the Starlink at 10 06 on July 23rd. Mm -hmm. Her sighting. Oh, she, I don't think she gives a time. She said it was July 23rd, though. Let me see if she says the time at the beginning. So yeah. I am at my workplace right now, but last night at around 10 30, we were mm. in. Yeah. Oh, did we so just solve it? Saw, so I'm, you know, she sounds like she saw Starlink and it was a. A, a mystical and and almost a religious kind of experience uh, for her. So she saw something, you know, that has an explanation, but it still had the this effect on her. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I sent you something uh, before the show. Um, and it was something that was filmed, I think, last night. Uh, and I had a still, I just included a still photo. It was a person who saw uh, a light in the sky Um uh off grand moran i think grand main or whatever it is yes that's it um and um he he zoomed in of course that's why it looks like that but it was originally just a a point of light in the sky that was in the southeast and uh, he watched it for quite some time and it you know seemed to to stay for a while and then moved away but what's interesting is that the discussion and this was posted on the new brunswick uh, facebook page ufo facebook page and some of the discussion from the people um, that followed were kind of like what this the woman from the previous uh, from your voicemail had said. You know, the, they're trying to contact you. Uh, this is clear evidence that the aliens are up there, and and all this sort of stuff. But there's probably a simple explanation for this. This probably was Saturn that he was looking at because it's in exactly that spot and. Um, that's what happens when you zoom in on a, on a distant light like that. I, I, you know, at that particular time, that's what it was. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, it, it has a profound effect and, you know, you, you have to sort of separate these things. Yes. Aliens probably do exist and it's possible that they could travel and they might be able to want to communicate to us. And some of us might be able to receive their communications, but a lot of the UFOs that, that are reported do have explanations mm -hmm. that are not aliens. Mm -hmm. So by explaining some of them, people may think, oh, you're debunking the whole thing and you don't believe anything. Well, no, that's not true. There are still, as we find out from the Canadian UFO survey every year, a small percentage that we can't explain. Mm -hmm. um, like the myriad of, of lights moving around in the sky and then stopping. I don't know what that was. I don't know what the black triangle in Langley really was. We have possible ideas, but we're not sure what that was. And we do get reports every year of things that we, we don't, we can't explain. Um, but just because um, the, you know, the large majority of uh, cases that, that come to us do seem to have possible explanations does not mean we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater hmm. and there's no such thing as UFOs or anything, anything like that. Um, but it does show that 
um, UFOs do elicit emotion in a lot of people. And I've actually, in, in one of my uh, um, articles, in the chapter in the uh, uh, Reframing the Debate book, I talk about it as kind of a religious experience and how uh, UFOs invoke religion in some people who are looking for some meaning in their lives. And, uh, you know, some people turn to, to uh, you know, Christian religion or Muslim religion or whatever. The UFO is a kind of a modern religion, and it's a way of, of dealing with some of the really awful stuff that's hmm. going on in the world and the fact you can turn on uh, TVs and then, uh, you know, look through your Twitter feed or doom scroll. That's why it's called doom scrolling. It's, it's really bad out there. <laughs> and so to turn to the possibility that aliens are out there and are going to be, you know, maybe helping us get through this or helping us personally get through this is, is actually a good thing. It's mm. a way of coping. Mm. Yeah. Well, there's been plenty of like UFO themed cults or religious movements so i'm not surprised and it uh it's interesting and, and i like the, when you were just describing this particular sighting and showing me the photo of of what you thought could likely be or could possibly be saturn um i like that you go on these facebook groups because I, I feel like it's almost a bit of like almost like snm or something you're you're a sucker for punishment but when I'm just reading the, the thread underneath it, so they post their photo and describe what they saw. And you come in in classic Chris Rukowski fashion where you say, it's hard to tell because you're zoomed in. Distance light, distant lights expand to these modeled balls when you zoom in. So this was in the Southwest. What time was this? And where was the moon? Was it to the left or the right? So you're like trying to get to like, you know, what what's going on here? One of the other responses just to give a sense of you know how different you are at times from the other people in these groups there another reader responds and says it's the frequency so obvious this it's so obvious that this person was ready to see that the sorry it's the frequency it's so obvious that this person was just ready to see it many of us are star seeds here stuck in human bodies <laughs> so I, I just like that you end up well, maybe that's what I love about UFOs and the UFO discussion is there's so many different ways to look at it. So many different people get in here. And I, I think that everyone involved in it is fascinating in their own mm -hmm. unique way. And then when you throw everyone together, there's someone like you who's taking like kind of the logical science-based nuts and bolts kind of view. There's the mystical, spiritual type people. There are the people who are convinced it's a government conspiracy. And it's it, it's almost like there's this fascinating ideological war that surrounds the UFO issue. And I'm, it's a it's a Rorschach test, I yeah. suppose, in some ways. And it's not. And again, you know, it's it, I've often said that I, I'm interested in the UFO phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, not just the reports themselves, but the fact that people get invested in, you know, in sort of a spiritual experience that the conspiracies, the the books, the the Facebook pages, the the Twitter feeds, um, the toys, and and you know the fact yeah. that it's part of pop culture, and you know all that sort of stuff. And I mean, we have a uh, you know a major movie in the theaters right now, uh, mm -hmm. Jordan Peele's Nope. Yeah, have you seen is, it? Is, I have not seen okay, it. Yet. Me neither. I I want to yeah. go, but my nine year old is worried that it'll be too scary, so he won't come. It with might me. be. I, I've heard it's. I heard there's some 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 good boo boo jumps in there. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, there's the you know there's a major one like that. The other popular um, movie uh, that's out right now is Prey, which is about the eighth 
Predator movie. Or uh, something. I think it's like a prequel or something. Yeah, but, but it's you know, but it's it's based on the fact that you know that aliens you know might encounter might come to Earth, and you know it, these themes are, are very popular. Um, what now the second and third Avatar movies are coming out this fall, and um, the premise is that there's uh, a civilization on a, a moon of a planet that's circling Alpha Centauri, which is one of the you know possible c- scenarios. In fact, there's some speculation that that actually might exist. Hmm. So, um, you know, there's the, the, the line between fact and fiction uh, is blurring a little bit, and we're exploring more, and maybe with the Webb Space Telescope, uh, you know, maybe we'll get to see, like, I know they're going to uh, try and focus on some of the uh, stars that seem to have, you know, possibility of life. As far as the possibility of life, I, I think it's like, it's the probability of life. It's just a matter of, or not even probability, like there certainly must be. It's just a matter of us finding it. And we've only looked, you know, as close as possible to our own backyard, but uh, it's going to be fascinating when something actually is discovered you know, in our own solar system or beyond it, I hope I'm alive to see the day that NASA announces like we have found, you know, life on blank, whatever it is. It's only a matter of time, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, it's um, my uh, if I was laying money, I, I would say that the place we're going to discover life first is um, on Europa or under the under the ocean of, of Europa, uh, a moon of one of the outer uh, satellite uh, outer planets. Um, because life evolved in water on Earth, and there's some, you know, liquid and, uh, you know, and uh, possible water uh, on this uh, this moon, and um, there's a good chance that that there you know, might be some life in there. Mars is still is you know, seems to have lost a lot of its water. Maybe we'll find a microbe or two on Mars, but I think in terms of life, like you know, jellyfish or something like that. Um, my, my money is on uh, something further out in the solar system. Europa is a moon orbiting Jupiter, I believe. Um, mm. But yeah, it's like so I watched a documentary about um, like uh, life in on Earth in kind of extreme environments, and basically the the documentary had shown that anywhere on planet Earth where there's water or even just moisture there is some form of life there. And mm-hmm. and if that's the case, why not on another planet? Like, I, I feel like if we can find any other planet that has water or moisture, we're going to find some version of life. And then like on, you know, on, on Mars, if, if there's no water there, maybe we'll, f- if science can find a way to find, um, you know, uh, long dead life, you know, maybe we can find some, you know, sign that there was a life there. We're just not in the right time to, you know, to catch it. But anyway, I think I, it's, a, it's only a matter of time. And like I said, I hope I'm alive to see it because that'll be an amazing news day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And people will go nuts. Like, they, look what happened to the, to the world when a pandemic hit. Can you imagine when, like, <laughs> the idea of, you know, the government knows about life and, oh, you know, in, in space and they don't want to tell us because we'll freak out. It's like, I, I often thought that was kind of, crazy but after the last two or three years i'm like man government please don't tell us about anything else yeah wouldn't it be something if the uh the uh the document proving life on uh on mars and 
elsewhere in the universe was one of the documents that got flushed down a toilet. I mean, <laughs> it would be just typical, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. Um, anyway, Chris, you've given me more of your time than I deserve. I wish you uh, all the best with the new book. Where can people, people who want to find and read Canada's UFOs Declassified, where can they get it? It's uh, on Amazon. So take a look for uh, Canada's UFOs Declassified on Amazon and uh, pick it up and uh, let me know what you think. Uh, one of the added bonuses, and we're, we're talking about value added here, um, because this is about government documents, you know, we can talk about government documents, but until you see them, you may not, you know, really know uh, as much about it. So we reproduced 50 government documents in the book. So you can actually look at what we're talking about and what the government really did uh, have to say about ufos to uh you know investigators and rcmp officers and people who reported uh the documents in the book that like because you've you've based the book on canadian uh, of unclassified canadian government documents relating to ufos um where it's all unclassified is this all like public information that they've revealed or did or was any of this got through like you know foy pop requests and that sort of thing uh, well, a lot of these were were not originally unclassified. A lot of these, some of these were secret. Some of these were uh, classified at one uh, degree or another. Um, and over the years, they were gradually declassified. Some were uh, declassified after some access to information requests. Um, uh, and uh, uh, there's there's sections there uh, taken from uh, uh, some of the correspondence between. Uh, government officials not only in Canada but in the United States with individuals in Canada who had uh, UFO experiences. Uh, I even have some um, uh, reports from uh, Project Blue Book and FB the FBI. There's actually an FBI case huh. uh, in the book as well, uh, just to show some of the, the reports and some of the experiences that people had backing them up uh, with the documents. And you know, there's a lot of stuff being speculated now about transmedium UFOs and um pieces of of uh, metamaterials and uh you know what is the, what are the pilots know and all this sort of stuff we've actually never seen any of the documents there's no real evidence we just heard from you know so and so told so and so and so told so and so well in the book i lay out this is what the evidence is this documents uh what there was including some pieces of UFOs hmm. um, that the Canadian government examined. So, you know, there are, uh, there's this documents out there. So rather than just uh, hearing rumors and hearsay and uh, he said and she said, this is what really was going on. Cool. Well, Chris, I look forward to the next time we chat. Talk to you uh, soon, uh, Jordan. Have Sooner a, than later. Yeah. I want to thank you for joining Chris Rutkowski and I for our discussion. But before we part, I have some thanks. First, a big thanks to Chris for sharing an evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A big thanks to Monty Data for contributing the music for this episode. But the most important thanks of all goes to each one of you listening, as without your interest and your support, Nighttime would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, make sure you're listening on the premium feed. And not only does the premium feed make the show possible, it'll give you more of each topic than you'll find here on the free feed as I'm adding exclusive content regularly and I maintain a full collection of back episodes only on the premium feed. 
So for about the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep the show alive at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And with that said, let me thank the newest subscribers to the premium feed. Andrew, Sarah, and Stylin, thank you for going premium. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't do it financially, you can give me a big hand by sharing this episode on social media and letting some like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If you have any story ideas, if you want to give feedback on the show, or if you'd like to contribute a voice memo to be aired in an upcoming episode, you can do all that and more at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. We hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte.